Welcome to the preaching podcast of Life Point Church. We're so glad you've joined us here. If you're ever in the Baton Rouge area, please stop by. We'd love to meet you. For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, please visit our website at golifepoint.com. you stand with me for the reading of the word we'll go ahead and get started great to see all of our guests great to see all of you here (laughs) we're just missing our big old giant Bozier delegation we love them but they don't love us no I'm just kidding we do miss them we're going to look to the book of Ephesians chapter 3 Ephesians 3 and verse number 20. We have spent a lot of time talking about this verse, well, in recent history. But we're going to touch it again today. Ephesians 3, 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. I want to preach the fourth installment of our series, The New Normal. The first one we looked at, I subtitled, well, I called it The New Normal, straight up. The second one I subtitled, Victory is Your New Normal. The third one I called The Slingshot Effect. And today's is simply subtitled, It's Time to Go from Good to Great. It's time to go from good to great. And I believe God's going to challenge some folks in this room today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I pray, God, that you would just bring it home. Touch us, Father, in a very powerful way. And We ask it all in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. In his best-selling book, Good to Great, Jim Collins makes the case that good is the enemy of great. Has anybody read that book in this room, Good to Great by Jim Collins? It's a a good book. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. It's it's a great book, right? (laughs) In his best-selling book, Good to Great, Jim Collins makes the case that good is the enemy of great. He says that when things are good, our temptation is to think we've arrived and that the good we're experiencing is all There is to it that it's as good as it can get. We quit reaching for the better and for the great because we're content to settle for the good. Now, in our walk with God, I believe there's a parallel. We're often tempted to stop short of His ultimate plan for us, and we stop pushing beyond the good we've experienced and into the great where He's called us. And I want to challenge you today. It's time to go from good into great. God is great and greatly to be praised. He has a great church with a great calling made up of people just like you and me who have a touch of greatness on us. That's us. And it's time for us to step up and go from good to great. Now, in our reading, it starts out like this. Now to him. Now to him. Now the him there, that's referring to the true and living God. So it is he, the true and living God, who is able to do. 
So let's stop and ask the question, what is he able to do? This is the God who with just a word created the heavens and the earth. This is the God who commanded the ocean's waves. You can come this far, but no further. This is the God who flung over a hundred billion trillion stars into the universe. Psalm 147 and 4 says he numbered them and called them by name. No wonder the psalmist goes on in the next verse and says, Great is our Lord, mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. This God, let me ask you again, what is he able to do? What Gabriel, the great angel, told Mary For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Jesus told the 12, For with God, all things are possible. And God asked Abraham and Jeremiah, Is there anything too hard for the Lord? The conclusion is this, Our God can do anything. We're not convinced of it, but I'm telling you, our God can do anything. We used to sing a song in Bozier, it said, Brother Scott used to lead it. God can do anything, anything, anything. God can do anything but fail. Anybody know that song? The chorus was, and he would sing it like this. He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. We we used to also sing another song, went like this. There's nothing... No, nothing. You know that song, Milton? (laughs) There is nothing that my God can't do. We used to sing about it. Sometimes we still do, but I'm not convinced that we believe it. Our reading from Ephesians 3.20 continues. Our God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask Or think. Now, I think think is the operative word here. Our asking is determined by our thinking. If you don't think he'll do it, you won't ask him to do it. The higher your thoughts, the greater your request, the more you ask for. But we struggle with this. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says it. God says, your thoughts are not my thoughts. As as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So God wants to do so much for us, far more for us than we think. He has high thoughts and big plans, but we struggle to agree with him. His thoughts are exceedingly, abundantly above ours. His thoughts are far higher than ours. We're so tethered to our own performance, but he's tethered to his promises, to his covenant, and to his love for us. And today, church, he's wanting to elevate our thinking uh, higher than it already is, higher than we've limited it to. He wants us to stretch our faith and trust him and trust his greatness. He's challenging us to begin to believe that he really is able to handle that mess that you're dealing with today, that he really can help you go through what you're facing, that he really can take you into the calling that he has for your life. Amen? 
Amen. Now, he, he's thought all of this out in advance. It's not like all of this is just an afterthought to him. God was thinking about David before he was born. David said so, Psalm 139. How precious are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. And he was talking about when he was in his mother's womb. And then with Jeremiah, before he was born, God said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you, ordained you a prophet to the nations. God was thinking of a wayward Israel, a wayward children of Israel, Judah's restoration in advance when he said, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. These were God's thoughts. They were thoughts of peace, thoughts of hope, thoughts of blessing, thoughts of favor, thoughts of healing, thoughts of restoration, thoughts of deliverance. Those are God's kinds of thoughts. And listen, God's no respecter of persons. If he thought of David, if he thought of Jeremiah, if he thought of a wayward Judah, then he has thoughts of you. You may see yourself, you may think of yourself as a failure and a loser and a nobody from nowhere, but that's not how God sees you. His thoughts are higher than that. He's already thought of your future, filled it with peace and prosperity, nothing missing, nothing broken. He's already thought of your future, and there's no evil in it, as a matter of fact, it's filled with good and blessing and hope and expectation and favor. Amen? Now, you may be saying, I'm trying, man. I'm trying. I'm trying, Greg. Come on now. Now, you may be saying, D.H., you just don't understand what I'm facing right now. You don't know what I'm dealing with right now. You don't know the financial mess I'm in. You, you don't know the legal trouble I'm dealing with. You don't know what's going on in my private world, in my marriage, in my home. Let me remind you, with God, nothing shall be impossible. With God, all things are possible. He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or think. The caveat there is according to the power that works within us. So what is that power? Is that Holy Spirit power? Well, sure, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. But there are plenty of us filled with the Holy Spirit who live far below His expectations for us. So how is that power activated? I'll tell you how. By faith. The just live by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. Nothing is impossible to him who believes. You first got to believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You've got to believe. You've got to declare, I'm not satisfied to live below his best. I'm not even satisfied to live with the good I've experienced. I want the great. You've got to stretch your faith. Good has been good, but great is your new normal. The exceedingly abundant life is your new normal. You've got to believe and declare, I am who I am says I am. And I can do what I am says I can do. I am not going to stop short of his promises. God has things prepared for you. 
from me. He's prepared them in advance. He thought in advance and he prepared in advance. 1 Corinthians 2.9, as it is written, eye is not seen, ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. You love the Lord? He's got things prepared for you. That's not all. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Jesus told his followers, I go to prepare a place for you. I want you to know he's prepared a place for you, not just in heaven, but here on earth. He did the hard work. He did the heavy lifting. He prepared a place of peace and safety and purpose and calling and destiny that you are supposed to walk in. I want you to elevate, stretch your faith. I got to say this. God has been good to us here at LifePoint. He met us where we were. He brought us into this house, this community of faith, the body of Christ here at LifePoint. But I want to challenge you, as good of all, as all of this is, and, and, and as, as, as good as it's been, there's something in my spirit that is not content. As good as this is, God has great in store for us. If he is able to do above all that we can ask or think, and if he has thoughts towards us that are higher than our thoughts, and if he has prepared things for those who love him, then there is greatness beyond the good. Don't settle. Don't stop short. Great is the new normal. Now you say, DH, okay, I'm willing, I'm open to that. How do I get to the new normal? How do I get to that great that you're talking about? I'm glad you asked. I would remind you of the story that Brother Marcelli told me many years ago when I thought LifePoint was about to fold. We were nearly bankrupt. Everything was due. All the bills. We had tr trouble like you can't even imagine. You know, just, I mean, we had 99 problems and one of them wasn't too much money, right? And I called Brother Marcelli, who was an advisor to us and my mentor, I said, Brother Marcelli, my Lord have mercy. It's gotten so bad. And he just plumb got excited. Some of you have heard this. He got excited. He said, oh, that's so exciting. I was like, Greg, I was like, what? that ain't exciting. I've got ulcers. I'm not sleeping at night. You know, this is miserable. He said, this is so exciting. I said, what do you mean, pastor? What do you I need another pastor. I'm going to call somebody else, you know. He said, no, don't hang up. Listen, he's so exciting because he said, you know what you need for a miracle? You need a disaster. You need a challenge. If you're going to go from good to great, you got to face the challenges head on and not say, no, I'm not going there. That's too hard. you got to say, if you've called me there, Lord, no matter what comes against me, I'm headed that direction because I want to go from good to great. Come on, give him some praise right now. Can you do it? Hallelujah. Woo. Somebody go, yes. Somebody go, woo. Now, isn't that what happened with the children of Israel? Don't you remember that story? They had it good. Let me tell you how good they had it. God sent them Moses, who had ten plagues, 
up his sleeve. And he comes in talking like a boss to Pharaoh. Let my people go. Pharaoh was like, no, I'm not going to do it. You're going to pay. The ten plagues ensued. Really the mercy of God trying to stop that tenth plague. They refused it. And finally that tenth and terrible devastating plague happened. And the children of Israel walked out with great wealth by the strong right hand of the Lord. They had it good. They had it good. The blood of the Lamb had covered them. They went out there. They went to, through the Red Sea. They, they went to Sinai. I mean, the Lord had been good to them, but God had promised Abraham, I will make your name not good. I will make your name great. And where was the greatness to be found? The greatness was to be found in the promised land where there were walled cities and giants and seven nations stronger and mightier than they were. But God had prepared the way. He said, I'll give you the victory over those nations. Don't you worry. You just go in there and possess it. And I'm telling you, church, God has prepared great things for us. It may look like there are challenges, but if God is for us, tell me, who in the world can be against us? Whatever you're facing today, there is a God who is on your side. He wants to take you from good to great, from good to great. I want to look at a little story about the great apostle Paul tucked away in Acts 13. Look at this, Acts Chapter 13, verses 1 through 8, we'll look first. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers of Barnabas, as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Menin, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul, the last in line, Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they being sent, they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost departed from Seleucia. And from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And then they were at, when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had also John to their minister. And when they had gone through the isle unto Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Now notice, Saul had it good. He had been converted on the road to Damascus, he talked to Jesus personally. Jesus called him by name, Saul, who are you, Lord? And he went to the house of Judas. God sent Ananias to him. He was saved. He was accepted by the believers and by the 12. In our reading here, Acts 13, he was called a teacher and a prophet of God. Acts 13, the Holy Spirit, God again calls him by name, separate unto me Barnabas and Saul. Just like on the road to Damascus, God knew his name. He was experiencing good. But for Saul to go to great, he was going to face a challenge, and his name was 
Elymas or Simon Bar-Jesus, this sorcerer. And it's an opportunity that God sent his way, not to crush him, but to advance him into his calling, ultimately, to what God had called him to do. Verses 9 through 12, Then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, O full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to... I'm in the King James. How did this happen? Wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt blind, not seeing the sun for a season. Thou shalt be blind, not seeing. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. When Saul faced the challenge of this sorcerer, he would never be the same again. Now he could have settled and said, you know what, this is too big of a fight. I'm already a teacher. I'm already a prophet. God already knows me by name. I've got a ministry. I'm accepted. I've got a good cushy place here in the church. But this guy provided an opportunity, and and he saw it, and he rose up and said, I can't stand the fact that you're resisting what God is trying to do in this man's life. And as he came against that sorcerer, he was propelling himself into his destiny. He would never again be referred to in the present as Saul. From this moment on, his name was officially changed to Paul. He would never again be referred to as the last man on a list or the second man even on a list. From here on, we see it. Instead of Barnabas and Saul, from this moment on, it is Paul and Barnabas or Paul and Silas. And he would never be referred to again as just a teacher or a prophet. But from this moment on, he stepped into his destiny and his calling. And we know him as Paul the Apostle. What did it take for him to go from good to great? It took a challenge. You can't back away from the challenge. That addiction, my brother, that problem that you're suffering with, that problem in your marriage, that problem in your home, that problem with that wayward child, you can't let that back you into a corner and stop you from pushing forward. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask. You've got to move forward. You've got to face the challenge. We're facing a challenge today at LifePoint. We have no room. We have no room. Look around you. I know we got some seats, but we just cleared out kids. And, and nobody likes to sit like this. I see some of you look so uncomfortable right now. You're like, man, I should have gone, got one of those chairs that didn't have another person next to it, you know. But you didn't want to offend your neighbor. Well, I don't know why this is all hugged up over here. So that's, that's all right, you know. That's, that's all right. Uh, but, but the thing is, we're out of space. It's summertime. It, if a church is at 80% capacity in any one of these three areas, seating, parking, children's space, then that church has to consider multiple services. And folks, we're maxed out in all three areas. And that's a good thing. Come on now. <laughs> that's why we got people parking over here at AIM and back here in the grass. We hope to God it doesn't rain and we'll get, you know, we have to pull out the four-wheelers and get people unstuck and all that kind of stuff. 
in our children's ministry, it just filled up. It's just amazing what God's doing, what God's done. We've had good church. We've got a good thing going on, and to God be the glory. But I feel it in my spirit, church. He's calling us to greatness. This is our challenge. This is our moment. We've got to face this challenge in faith and do all we can, and then let God do the rest. And, folks, this was no surprise to our Lord and Savior. He saw it when we moved into 15050 Dago Road here at the corner of Airline and Dago. He knew they're going to outgrow that space, and they're going to have to come to some decisions. What are we going to do? I didn't want to do too services but we're going to do two and I'm open to doing three and we're going to fill this thing up again and again and Justin we're going to buy some land either here or somewhere else and build a bigger building and fill it up once again and twice and three times because God is not content with us just settling here there's more for us there's more for you God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think we've got to face The challenge in faith. Amen? You may have a good marriage, but on the other side of a challenge you're facing, there's a great marriage. You may have your finances in a good place, but on the other side of the challenge, your finances could be in a great place. Your challenge may come to you looking like a setback. But without sounding cliched, let me just tell you, It's a setup. You've got to face your challenge in faith. It may look like a bad doctor's report. It may be trouble on the job. It may be a boss that's got it in for you. It may look like a challenge. It may look like a setback. But if you'll approach it in faith and say, Lord, lead me through this valley. Lord, be my rod. Be my shield. Be my sword. Protect me, guide me. I'm trusting you. Order my steps, Lord. Then you're going to find, you're going to enter into a a great place. You're going to enter into your destiny and your calling. Amen? Why don't you stand with me right now? Too many of us get content with the good. We just sit in a good place and enjoy the good things. We rest on our laurels, our achievements. We're like this, we've done, we've done well, we've done good. And I'm telling you, even as, as a pastor, as a church grows, I go to pastor's meetings and you can say, well, this is what's going on in our church and this is what is going on here. And, and, and pastors get caught up in this, like, we've got it good. I never want to get to the place where I say, we've done all we can do. I always want to have a forward-thinking mind. and I want to be thinking higher thoughts. Lord, what else can we do? We got Wesley and Kelly over in St. Croix. Why not have a Life Point St. Croix, right? You'd be amazed at some of the doors that have opened up over there. Valerie and I are planning on going over there, you know, for ministry. Really, in the next few months, there's some opportunities that have opened up over there. Why not, huh? Hey, we've got good things going over here. Why, why just why bother with that? Well, because God may be calling us into that. I don't want to shut the door on that. God's dealing with some of you. There's ministries that are waiting to be born in this congregation. And you've just faced the challenge long enough where you've been in a good place. But you're going to have to risk a little bit, step out in faith and say, God, I believe you've prepared greater things for me. And I'm stepping into it. Greater things are yet to come. Greater things are still to be done. God wants to do the great, 
great is your new normal. Amen. Some of you could host a group. Some of you could teach a Bible study. Some of you could get involved on a team. You need to go through Discover Life. God's calling you to a place of greatness. Not just sitting in a good place, but rolling up your sleeves, accepting the challenge. Amen. Bow your heads with me right now. Father, I thank you so much for your faithfulness, for your goodness. Oh, you're a wonderful, wonderful God. You've done so much for us, good things. You're a good God. But oh, your goodness, we can't calculate or measure. Your mercy, Lord, it's great. You are a great God. Help us to stretch our thinking, not be content to just rest on past good things, but to move forward. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed by the preaching of God's Word. For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, or if you plan to attend one of our services, please visit our website at golifepoint.com.